What's up, everybody? I hope you are having a powerful start to your week, staying in the light, staying in the positivity, staying in your power. God knows the world needs you right now, baby. So I'm not going to give you much of an intro on this one. Uh, In the episode itself, I give a bit of an intro. Um, However, this podcast episode is a follow-up on meditation with my brother, Gus Britton, my on-again, off-again, roll-dog, unofficial co-host, who actually was the first guy to suggest to me that I might try meditation way back when. Uh, We do a deep dive into our paths to meditation, what meditation means to us, uh, the practices we use, things that work, things that we have attempted and used. Uh, We provide various tools for getting started on your meditation practice, and there's a a lot of good information in this episode. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, we discuss why you should meditate, what meditation does, how it can help in your life and how to get started, as I said. So a lot of good stuff here. I was very excited to put this one down. Uh, meditation is, is one of my absolute favorite practices in my life these days. So I feel very passionate about people using it, taking it into their daily practice, their daily routine, because I know the benefits that it can provide to anyone who gives it a shot. Uh, Before I send you off onto this episode, remember, if you're in need of coffee, if you love excellent coffee, head over to invadercoffee.com, use code the ebb and flow to get 15% off your next order. This coffee is organic. It's low acidity. It's veteran owned. It's robust. It's bold. It's full of positive energy. It's it's my favorite coffee on the planet. I highly recommend it. I think you guys will love it. That's invadercoffee.com. Use code the ebb and flow to get 15% off your next order, y'all. Okay, that being said, It's off to the races. Have an excellent Tuesday. Lots of love to y'all. Enjoy. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Ebb and Britton. It's great to be with you all on this beautiful Friday we have before us. I hope you guys are hanging tough out there, man. Shit is wild. Seems to only be getting weirder as we descend into our mechanized future. 
that is so perfectly plotted out and systematized before us. That being said, man, I hope you guys are staying in the light, staying positive, stay strong, man. The world needs you desperately. The world needs your energy. They need your smile. Take that mask off every once in a while and show show everybody how beautiful your face is. I guarantee you they will appreciate it. So that being said, I am joined once again by my brother, my roll dog, Augustus Britton. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Here we are. We're in WeWork. The unofficial co-host. The unofficial co-host, my roll dog. <laughs> uh, my, if I were Joe Rogan, you'd be my Joey Diaz. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um So, here we are. What are we talking about today? Well, today, I've noticed that everybody really loved the my solo talk on meditation. And so, I thought today, as a, I think it's a solid follow-up to the deconstructing of social media because while we presented sort of, we presented the atmosphere and the environment of what's happening around us and in this digital realm that we're all a part of i feel as though this episode really can offer us some solutions to how we can ameliorate the the suffering of the situation we can this is the solution meditation disconnection from your thoughts getting space in your mind so that you can find Find truth in the maze of confusion. So here we are. We're in WeWork. I love I love this building. It's got great views. It's really fascinating. They've got custom pillows that say stay six feet apart. Please keep a safe distance between you and your neighbor. Follow this general seating diagram. Room layout and capacity may vary. Isn't it fascinating how we're given all of these instructions? We're given all of these instructions... And it's really, it's part of the the systematic programming. And we were talking about this before, and this occurred to me last night. And it's been occurring to me, but it really galvanized last night. And then you shared with me, Gus, this, this talk that Osho gave, where he talks about how wise people are inherently um, of, are dangerous to societies. Because an intelligent, a, a person who taps into their true intelligence, so their innate intelligence and into the deeper wisdom of their human life, they become less able to be exploited by the system of society. They become less mechanized in their, in their ways of production and working and consuming and all of this stuff. And you may think to yourself while I'm saying that, Eb, you're out of your mind, man. What's all this conspiracy theory talk? What are you talking... And this is not about... This is not some... I'm not talking about some group who's manipulating us. I'm talking about the system that we live in. The conditioning that we've been put under from the time we came into this dream that someone else built. And we are... We are dollar signs corporations this whole system is built to keep us 
working, paying off debt, consuming more shit, producing more baby robots to feed the system, and to not be not become wise to it, to not ascend or transcend it. Because then you're of no use to the system. And that's dangerous. And so how do we do that? Well, Gus, I think I was thinking about this. You know, you're a perfect guy to do a deep dive talk on meditation with because you were really one of my first inspirations of meditating. Mm. Or why I should meditate or getting me to think about meditating. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it was when I was in the NFL or just after I had just gotten out. But I remember a handful of times where you stayed over the night and in the morning you'd like disappear into the backyard for 20 or 30 minutes. And when you came back, it'd say, Gus, where were you? And you're like, oh, I was meditating. Mm-hmm. Was that in Florida or was that here? I think it was here. Yeah, it was here. It would have been here. I certainly wasn't meditating in Florida yet. Yeah, and I think you. I mean, I feel as I feel like we've had you even might have suggested. Yeah. Yeah, but you well, should meditate, and I said, ah, I don't have time for that. Yes, you said that many times. <laughs> you said that many, many times. You also said that with yoga. You said I can't do Fuck yoga. Fuck that. Well, you know, you were, not to take your inventory, that's not why we're here, but you were incredibly angry. Yeah. You were like the Hulk. I remember you, you know, if you sneezed and somebody (laughs) said, bless you, you'd say, fuck you. (laughs) I mean, almost, I think you would say that. Basically. You know, so I think we, I'm actually... Even today, even like this morning, I'm consistently impressed and almost mesmerized at the change that you have in your openness and peace. Mm. Um, You know, and sort of with little things like with the shoelace breaking, like you don't get riled up about that anymore, which I think is just a total relief not only to you but your surroundings and i remember we you know you were a real hair trigger with your anger mm-hmm. and i still remember this one kind of uh, this one argument fight we had at your house i was washing dishes and i left yeah i, I, I said you need to day. get help i said that to you i said yeah. you need help and i left yeah And then you came back later. Yeah, because I just, I forgive at the drop of a hat. Also, your family. So, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I, you know. I think it's important for my, for the audience to know where I came from. Because everybody sees me in this life. Yeah, yeah, of course. As, you know, I get so many, Eb, you're so zen, bro. Yeah. You're so zen. And you know, dude, I was a fucking yeah i was a maniac i was a psycho well see i think that's a really good thing for people to remember that Mm -hmm. you don't just well actually you do you start out perfect 
life begins perfect. Right, when you're a baby. And then the snowball happens, which is inevitable. Your parents, your surroundings, shit happens. Things build up. The emotional plaque and the spiritual plaque builds up. Mm. And then... Good words. And then the shadows, which don't do anything but stay there until you welcome them into the consciousness um fester and you don't just wake up zen you don't just wake up a sage you know that seeking process is a long process yeah in the same way you used to drink six bottles of red wine a night. I yeah. haven't seen you drink a drink a bottle of wine a night in, in I can't even remember. <laughs> I know? might have a glass. I might have a glass these days. I barely do that. Yeah, and it's a process. I'd love to talk about my process in how I found meditation too, because I was thinking, I was trying to think of things to yeah. Well, I want to I want to talk about here, but I think this, that's an important thing. Yeah, yeah. In this episode, I'd like to I'd like to talk about that the process of getting to meditation. Yeah, and I'd like to talk. I'd like to give everybody techniques. I've done that before, mm-hmm. but I know you have. You've done some other interesting things with sort of seeking out. Um, various meditation practices. Yeah. And I'd like to give people as many techniques as possible because, you know, I think we can all, we all get wrapped up in this idea because it's becoming so trendy too. It's becoming very trendy to talk about meditation and yoga and wellness and, but which is great which is a great thing it's a great thing to become trendy you know it's really fucking important maybe the most important thing that we have on our table right now in america is is to become a meditator or to become someone who meditates or who has who finds quiet in their life Mm -hmm. because meditation it takes many forms Mm -hmm. yeah and there's many ways in Um, why don't we start with, yeah, I mean, you know, and and it goes back to at the end of the day, what's meditation? Meditation is about learning how to, you're never going to be able to control your thoughts, but if you can learn how to ride the waves and you learn how to allow, and you learn to create space. It's not even learning to create space. You cultivate space between you and your thoughts. And you cultivate space between you and that hamster wheel that's constantly going. If you're if you're an, an atypical American, I mean, you're fucking, your mind is running at a thousand miles an hour from the moment you wake up. And probably you didn't even sleep well the night before because your mind is running so fast. On various things, paying bills, your job, your fucking relationships, your family issues, you know, whatever things are lingering on your to-do list that you haven't done and this and that and that and this, you know, and so it becomes really difficult. Where in the midst of all of that thinking do you find yourself? Because why? Why then? Why is it important to find yourself or to get to a place where you have peace in your mind, it's because then 
And only then are you able to become as productive and creative as you are meant and built to be. Because up until that point, you're just running frantically. You're running at a feverish pace to just get things done. And you're not enjoying any of it. You're not in the moment. You're not aware. You're just riding on this hair trigger of reaction. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we, you know, and going back to this idea of us becoming these programmed robots, these mechanized beings. You know, it's not it's not that difficult to see once you just step out of it. Yes, we're all doing the best we can with what we have, but we haven't been given a lot. We haven't been given a lot of tools in America. I was thinking about this yesterday, Gus. Before I cuz I want I want to let's kick it off with you talking about your process of getting to meditation. But I was thinking about this thing the other day, even to food, this idea of fast food. What a poorly designed concept. You're not really supposed to eat and do anything else. When you eat, you're really supposed to just eat because that's a that takes an immense amount of energy and processing by your body. Because once you eat, all your energy goes into your digestive system. You're not supposed to be reading emails and looking at news and scrolling Instagram and driving your car and working at your desk while you're eating. You're just not. No, it's too many things. It's a very poorly designed concept, this idea of fast food. Yeah, it's a horrible idea. It's the worst. I mean, forget about how bad the fo- how low in nutrition the food actually is for you to begin yeah. with. Mm-hmm. But then the concept itself is completely hor- it's it's horribly designed. It's not it's not designed for human success. Yeah. So, no, I mean, that's we could do a whole show on food. Oh, well, sure. I thought about that too. I think we will do that too down the line. But so tell me, dude, how did you, what was your process coming to meditation? <laughs> um, <laughs> God. That's so, that's like a whole fucking, that's like a two hour. Well, no, no. I mean, get as psychotic as possible. <laughs> make life as big of a shit show as possible. Right. Be as little aware as possible. Be as reactive as possible. Fill the ego cup as full as possible until it's overflowing and bursting. <laughs> Fill the materialism up as high as possible. Make life as unmanageable and as insane and as unhealthy as possible. Mm. Never pause. Never relax. Never listen. Mm. Never look somebody in the eyes. Mm. And you're great. <laughs> I'm there's great. there's the starting line. I'm really great. I'm really great. I'm doing so great. Be as anxious as possible. Yep. Be as untruthful as possible. Be as depressed as possible. So those are great starting points. You know, I was listening. Osho is one of my teachers. He's one of my gurus. And um, I always forget about him. And every time you turn me on, he's got some fucking... Yeah, they did. Eb and I were just talking about that. You may know him as Bhagwan Rajneesh, and they did that Wild Wild Country show, which is a pretty... in, in it's, it's an epic documentary. It's a beautiful documentary. Yeah. But they, they it's more about the gossip than 
I think how impactful and profound Osho actually was yeah, and def- is. Yeah, it definitely doesn't give you the it doesn't give you the perspective or the uh, view of Osho as the incredibly wise, insightful sage that he was. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking of something he was talking about how uh, I, I have this book and I really recommend it. It's called The Book of Secrets. It's his book. And I, I've been doing this thing lately where I read a snippet of the book before my meditation. Mm, and he nice. has little meditation techniques in the book. Mm. So I'll read it and then do the technique in my meditation. And one of them the other day was, and some of the book is people asking him questions and the book is written down of his answers. Mm. And somebody was asking him about his meditation, about clearing your mind. And, you know, it's interesting with, with sages, you never get the obvious answer. So (laughs) of course his answer is yes and no. Uh You know, when you're getting into meditation, you can't clear your mind unless you kind of know what a full mind already is. Mm. So like I was saying, if you need to make your life as insane as you feel like it, go ahead. Right. That's not going to last. Yeah. And at some point you're going to say, fuck, I can't drink enough alcohol. I can't have enough sex. I can't smoke enough cigarettes. What's going on here? You know, so or even weed, you can't can't smoke smoke enough enough weed. weed. I I can't can't do enough ayahuasca. I can't eat enough food. I can't do that. Yeah. So I think for me, my cup had runneth over with unmanageability. I don't need to get into the specifics of my history. Um, But I had gotten to the point where. I had, for lack of a better word, and I hadn't tried everything, but I'll say this. I had kind of tried everything. Mm-hmm. and You tried everything that seemed apparent and of use to you. Yeah, and I had even dipped into meditation and meditation workshops and then had let it go where I didn't feel like it had really worked for me. For instance, I did a workshop. There's this woman, Sally Kempton, who has an, also an incredible book called meditation for the love of it. I did this workshop with her at this gym in New York. It was a lot of people and she had everybody laying down and see for me laying down meditations don't particularly work for me. Although you could do a kind of corpse pose, but I feel like you enter into a different state when you're laying down meditating as opposed to sitting up with your back straight your chin slightly up Uh um so you know there's a i think an anatomical element to how how meditation can be practiced but anyway see i think this is where a bit of the trickiness comes in and this is what i was thinking about talking with you about there is this kind of liminal and liminal means like the borderline Mm. There's this border of being conscious enough to allow meditation in. Because like you're talking about, if you're talking about the 
the average American, whatever that is, that has so much in their mind. And this is why I believe a lot of people say, I can't meditate. Mm. I can't sit down. Mm. My mind is, is going too fast. Because there is so much. Yeah. So I would encourage people to allow that process. And that's going to be rocky mm. to be able to say, okay, I'm in this stage now where there's so much shit. And there's so much stuff to sift through to allow myself to be present. Because see, now my meditation experience, and I'm kind of off, I'm veering off here, but my... and No, you're not. Okay, so, I, going. so I was reading books, but I wanted a bit of a program because yeah. I wanted some more practical... Well, I think as an athlete, because I had that as well, as an athlete, you want to have... You want to come into it with a program, with yeah. steps, with like a uh, a training program or a workout regimen. You want right. to go, okay, what are the techniques right. that I can use? Like it's you're on the basketball court or you're on the football field and you know, you're talking about how to make a block mm-hmm. or where to go after a pick and roll mm-hmm. or what do you, you know, what are you looking for? Yeah. You know, it's helpful and that's I think that's one of the beautiful parts about sports in general is that it provides you with this structural roadmap of how to do anything mm-hmm. that transcends sports and i because i had that same experience with meditation right so i wanted something a little more practical and i don't even know if practical is the word i just wanted to sit in front of a teacher because i could read all the books but i wanted something more hands-on so i went and found a tm center in here in los angeles which is transcendental meditation which is uh become kind of a popular methodology which you if you will which which uh this guy maharishi mahesh yogi brought here and he he worked with the beatles etc but and they get you go and you pay some money i want you to talk about what tm is okay so, I mean, I'm not like a TM teacher. Yeah, but teacher, just say but like for what me, it is. Yeah, so when you do the TM, and they were actually helpful. Like, it costs money, but they allowed me to do a payment program, and I think it's worth it. You know, people can shit on it and say, oh, will they make you pay? Oh, well, yeah, okay, what else are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you got to pay for everything. It's okay to pay for a teacher. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That doesn't make something a cult. I mean, which, by the way, though, I've heard, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Eb, you should try TM. TM is the best. TM is this. TM is the greatest. And that's cool. I, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah. I mean, the main things I learned from TM was they get, they, they, they gave me a mantra, which I have, which I can use sometimes whenever I feel like it in my meditation. So what is that? Talk about that. You get a mantra. Well, a mantra is a it's a positive vibration. So they don't they don't say they say don't say this out loud because right, it loses right. some of its power. So you don't say it out loud. It's a Sanskrit word. It's a Sanskrit word. It's a, or a Sanskrit vibration saying or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's specifically for you, right? It's for me. I mean, God knows how many other people have it. I mean, right. there's probably not a hundred million, you know, mantras. Maybe there is. But so then they 
Um, you know, so really what I have from TM, TM just gave me a bit of a th- bit of a groundwork of like, oh, this is something I can do. And then they showed me this chart and it's this circle form of thoughts come up and, and it, it's in like a clockwise motion. You can imagine like a thought comes up and then it goes away. And then it comes up, and then it goes away, and I and I believe one of Maharishi's thoughts or 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 you know practices was like as if you're, it's an ocean, and your consciousness is an ocean, and you're at the wave level when you're first starting, and then the deeper you go, the quieter it gets, mm. and the more serene it gets, yeah, and I darker it gets, yeah. So that. That set me up really well, and it gave me kind of a feeling for how I could approach it. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. A scaffolding. Yeah. And now, you know, and now I have different practices. And, it, you know, it's interesting because I felt like when I first started meditating, my meditations were, like, really wild. Uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> man, I'm just, like, really going into these spheres of color and... Uh-huh. Something I had never seen before when yeah. I closed my eyes. Yeah. And then it kind of tapered off and then it went away. And this is like after years. And now I'm kind of back to like closing my eyes and seeing all these different mm. spheres and realms and, and universes. Mm. Um, but I think something that's really important is it is a practice. Yeah. Yes. And. It's not like a one day a week thing. No, it's not a one day a week thing. But also, I would encourage anybody that says they can't meditate, please. Your natural state is meditative. Please don't do yourself a disservice and say that. And it's create, really, you're creating that limitation on yeah, yourself. It's really not okay. And also, you've probably already meditated in your life. You probably meditate in some shape or form every day. If you go for a run... Your mind might is probably moving into a meditative state. If you go for a walk, it's moving into a meditative state. Yeah. Even when you're eating and you're enjoying your food and you're kind of entranced by your food, yeah. you're in you're you're ushering in some some state of meditation where you're focused. Or I would even say if you're with friends. If you're with, with friends. friends and family and you're you find yourself in that moment where you've totally lost track of time and you're just completely absorbed in the in flow the conversation and the flow of the moment. Mm-hmm. That's meditation, too. Right. Absolutely. Right. So now. I mean, it's a practice for me, and I think it's something cool to say, I want to fall in love with this. Mm hmm. I want to fall in love with this and see where I can take it. Yeah. See where it can go. That's a great feeling. I'm in love with meditation, dude. I'm in love with it. I'm in, I'm fucking totally head over heels in love with the sensation. I try I meditate once a day and if I can, I meditate more than that. Mhm. And then beyond that, when I'm driving in my car, I'm doing breathwork meditations too. Yeah. You know, I exercise. I meditate. When I eat, I've become... And when I eat, I'm very mindful about eating and chewing. 
chewing your food as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't just gulp it down in chunks, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so what techniques do you use now? What are your, like, what does your meditation practice look like these days? So I sit, I've been working on not, I sit cross-legged, back straight, chin up slightly. I, um, you know, you move into it gently as little you, for me, I want to completely stop moving Mm because then I can get deeper. Yeah. Um, you know, for instance, my, I've been working on not using a timer a little bit Mm. because I think it's cool to free myself up from the timer. Mm. You could do five minutes. You could do 12 minutes. You could do 20 minutes. Certainly I found the longer I sit, the realms start to change. Oh yeah. Like if I sit for 20 minutes, then I sit for 30 or 40, like you really start to hit these points of well different spaces that you're moving through. Yeah, well on that too, they say and they've seen this through scientific studies that 20 minutes is sort of the threshold. Yeah. Just like you're doing cardio. Mm-hmm. If you're doing cardio, like a, a cardio workout, you really don't start to get the benefits until after 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because up until that point, you're just getting into the process of activating your heart. Right. So in meditation, it's it's very similar. Mm. It takes you about 20 minutes before you tap into those new brain waves. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So 20 minutes and after, that's when you're getting the real benefits. You mm-hmm. will get benefits doing two minutes. Yeah. You'll get to, you'll get benefits meditating for two minutes at your desk during work. Mm-hmm. You will absolutely feel a difference. Mm-hmm. But that's really just a taste of what is to come, you know. Um, yeah. But two of the techniques that I've been yeah. practicing or or that like one that that's ancient that Osho starts his this book off with is imagining your when you close your eyes it's a clear blue sky and your thoughts are the clouds mm. and you just watch your thoughts move by as if they were clouds so that's something really simple it's really simple and and um beautiful and ancient mm-hmm. so and you can also do that with your eyes open, he says, if you just lay down and look at the sky in a clear blue sky mm. and just, just allow that to penetrate you. But with your eyes closed, you can do that one. And then another one I've been, I've been doing is imagining there's a fire in mm. your solar plexus mm. or there's like a fire in your heart center. Is that an Osho? Yeah. I love that. There's dude. a fire in your heart center and then you are light. I'm going to use that. Yeah. So there's you the are. fire and then you see yourself as light. Mm. And he, he recommends do this for 30 days straight. I mean, you should do it all the time, but do it for 30 days straight and see what happens. You'd be lit like a fucking tiki torch. Yeah. How you end up permeating. Yeah. And exuding light. 
So that's something you can do. I feel that just imagining it in my head right now. Yeah. Imagining a fire burning in my solar yeah, it's plexus. It's that's so powerful. I read one the other the other day. It's I mean, this book is it's really a book of secrets. I mean, it's yeah. un, if you can get this book, it's please get it. It's un, I don't even know where I got it because it's old <laughs> and tons of books like that old and frayed. But this one he talks about is darkness. Mm. So he said there's one I think he calls it a religion or a spiritual practice of the Essenes. Mm. And the Essenes are the only spiritual uh, sect or culture that worships darkness. And he, he gives, Osho offers this practice of, because darkness is all representative of fear mm. for people. Yeah. The and it just is. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it's not when you're asleep. Because when you're asleep, you're unconscious yeah. and there's no, that the fear isn't there. But he, he says, if you sit in darkness and just pay attention to it and feel it all around you and you'll notice your mind will start imagining things are coming to eat you or get you. Mm. So he offered, he, I mean, there's so many amazing practices in there that are just like, whoa, this is so yeah. Well, that's that's been a big practice of mine lately. Like I told you, we I've talked about this dream I had uh, a couple weeks ago where I was gathering these armies. Mm. And I woke up in the morning and when I got into meditation, these two aspects of myself emerged. This savage warrior who's ready to fucking swing a battle axe into somebody's skull at any moment. And then the terrified child in me. And it was this beautiful moment of, for the first time in my life, just allowing these aspects to be there and greeting them with love and compassion and thanking them and telling the savage warrior, thank you for being here. I know with you, we are always protected because if anything were to go down, you're here to protect us all. And then to the terrified boy, grabbed his hand and said, it's going to be okay. We're going to be safe. And that created this it established such a cohesive sense of, of well-being and wholeness in me. Because going back to what you were saying earlier about let yourself go, man. If you think it's fun to fucking dive into the escapism, to dive into more alcohol, more partying, more consumption, yeah, buy that thing, dude, that's going to bring you all the happiness. Let it roll, baby fly off the handle you know a big part of our life is not allowing we are in a constant state of disallowment we don't allow ourselves to experience or feel anything so like every thought that comes into your head you're like trying to you're trying to wrestle that thing like it's something real like it's a fucking bear or an animal that just came into your into your uh, environment and you have to defend yourself against it. And you don't allow it to be there. But what you don't realize is there's no controlling that thought. There's no harnessing it. There's no stopping it. When you think about it truly, dude, where do our thoughts come from? Where the fuck do they come from? You think that's just all you happening? That's all you just like conjuring these thoughts and these ideas and that's like who you are and 
you know, you're manifesting these? No. It's called stream of consciousness. Like you're standing on a fucking river and it's just flowing by. Where does it come from? I don't know. So trying to control your thoughts, like what if you just allowed your thoughts? What if you just allow your feelings to just come through and feel it and allow it and acknowledge it? You know, it was like I was talking to uh, this dude, Sebastian, who that episode will come out soon. Um, But he was saying it's as if you're with a little kid. Like for me, I can imagine being with, you know, my daughter, Sandy, and say we're at an ice cream shop and she's like, I want this. I want that. I want, I want ice cream with this and this and this and this. And I just, what if I just said to her, Sandy, you can have whatever you want. Her natural response would be, well, I just want one scoop of vanilla, you know, after all that. And it's because if it's, it's about the acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And seeing the thing, seeing her, seeing yourself, allowing yourself to be there. And once you acknowledge it, and it's this thing of like creating monsters in herself. Mm-hmm. When you push it away and you don't allow it to be there and you you send it back into the darkness, it creates energy. It gathers energy. It saps energy from you. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you thinking that you can fill the God-sized hole in yourself by eating more, uh, watching more porn, drinking more alcohol, smoking more cigarettes or whatever the fuck it is. And, you know, you're going to be happy then. It's like, no, dude. What if you just allowed yourself to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, well, do you have any other? Those were two amazing ones, dude. Worshipping darkness or at least... Just spending time in darkness. Yeah. Super powerful. Yeah. Acquainted with it. Imagining that you have a fire burning in your solar plexus and that your body is made of light, which guys, I hate to break it to you, but DNA emits light. We are literally light beings. We're densely coagulated beings of light and energy. Mm -hmm. So you truly are light. Just because you don't see it with your eyes doesn't mean it's not true. Right. So that's an amazing one. It is the solar plexus. The solar plexus. The sun, baby. Yeah. I say this affirmation um, every every morning. I'm a beloved child of the light, a son of the great sun. Nice. The eternal flame of my soul burns bright, guiding me through the darkness of night. Mm, Nice. So then this is a good meditation. For you. I love that, dude. It, literally, when you said it, I felt it. <laughs> yeah, you can feel it for sure. You can feel that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? Well, then the blue sky. Oh, the blue sky. That's, that's like the one. most ancient. That's Interesting. Like, that's like a ground. That's like a one that's like very textbook. Yeah. Your consciousness is a blue sky. And when you close your eyes to meditate and just see your thoughts as clouds passing through. I love it. I love that, man. That's, yeah. I was going to, I wanted to look this up. I didn't have time before we got in here. But how old is meditation? But then that's kind of almost an absurd question. Because if you go back to the earliest man, you were in a constant state of meditation. Mm -hmm. You weren't thinking about 
some fucking thing out there beyond. You didn't have the luxury of that. Because you were, you had to be constantly, if you were going to survive, you had to be constantly centered in your breath. Yeah. And in your, in the moment. Well, see, this is interesting. I forgot. I I was thinking about this last night to bring it up, but dogs. Oh yeah. Animals in general, but like dogs are the most readily available example. You know, dogs are pure consciousness yeah they go with the they very literally dogs can be in distress yeah they can feel they can be anxious and you you know they feel pain etc but dogs go with the flow Mm. they're pure consciousness yeah they don't have the, the ego which which brings me to which brings me to the question, what are we trying to accomplish with all this? Mm. Are we trying to attain pure consciousness? And see, this is interesting to me as to why the sages stop talking mm. at the end. Like Osho stopped talking. You know, they, they, they invariably retreat. And stop saying things because I think at a point the saying of things is too is too cluttering mm. yeah. because you can just talk in circles forever and ever and ever. Yeah. So you so I see these sages they talk and spread the message as much as they can, and then in order for them to transcend further, yeah. The talking really isn't serving them anymore. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, what is that quote from the Buddha? Uh, when I speak, I compromise myself. Yeah, exactly. Because words immediately delegitimize the energy. Mm-hmm. Or because they can be, it's like the game of telephone. I say something to you. And even though you're right here hearing it, your brain automatically turns it into something that you can understand. So then when you take that and you say it to someone else, it comes out a little different. Then it comes out a little different. Then it comes out a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, and finally it gets to a point where the it, it literally means nothing now. Yeah. Because and- the true meaning of what was said has been totally lost through the translations. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, you think about somebody like Terrence McKenna, who was a kind of linguistic magician, but he got to the point where he would talk a lot about how, and he was he was more interested, uh, of course, in psychedelics and the drug experience, but he would say, I can't put this into words. Uh-huh. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. So he he ended up actually like speaking in tongues in a way. <laughs> he found that it wasn't it was more of this kind of amorphous thing that couldn't words were limiting. It's ineffable. Yeah. It's ineffable. This experience of yourself, the true experience of yourself. In the same way, if somebody says I've been having this experience where if somebody says to me, how are you doing? I don't know what to say. 
<laughs> like, what do you mean? There's so much to say. Yeah. So now I've taken, I was hoping you would ask me how I was doing in the beginning of the show oh. so we could talk about this. Oh. But I've been saying I'm observing. Because uh-huh. if I just say I'm good, also I can't really say I'm bad because I don't want to trip up the vibe. Yeah. But I'm good, I'm bad, I'm this, I'm that, I'm observing. Yeah. Yeah. It's limiting and it's restricting in a way. Yeah. But we have to have these conversations, first of all, to spread the message. Because how else do we do it? But then at some point... Well, it goes to this conversation of this episode... Uh, that I released today with this Dr. Ted Achacoso. Uh-huh. And he talks about ego. Uh-huh. And he's talking about it and our our innate um our innate need in western culture or just in I guess in human culture in you know in the grand scheme to give ourselves an identity to have a role and it's because you have to know there has to be a reference point for you to interact with people from if you just come in and you and you're functioning from this place of i'm a being of light and you walk into work it's like how do you communicate with people from that perspective but no you walk into work and you put on this thing of i'm eben and i do this I'm a computer programmer. I'm a writer. I'm a, you know, I'm using computer programmers if I had a job like that, which I'm absolutely not and not interested in at all. But, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I'm a podcast host. I'm a writer. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm this. I'm that. And I I relate to people from those reference points. But really, that's not useful in the grand scheme of understanding my truth. There's no other use for those identities or those roles outside of the interaction with other people. Yeah, but back to what you were talking about in the beginning about the mechanization of society. See, let's think of like Native Americans. Native Americans were not concerned with consciousness. They were just being. Right. They were pure consciousness. So now is this all just this kind of fucked up result of having to put on a costume and pick an occupation. That's like, I mean, mean, in the same way, if somebody asks me, what do you do? Right. Well, okay. I mean, my my primary thing is I write, I'm a writer. Right. I write words. But what does that mean? I don't know. Right. I don't know what I do. I'm just living. Yeah. So we've created these artificial... I mean, mechanisms and for roles. communication and roles. So like the archaic revival, Terrence McKenna's thing, like, and this is, this is, this is such an amazing thing to talk about. And it's so fucking important. I think not, not, you know, I mean, I think it's important to talk about this because what else are we going to talk about? Fucking, you know, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> you know what, uh, so back to the the normal thing, people saying, I, I want to go back to normal again, which we were talking about before the podcast. So normal meaning scorched earth, costumes, no awareness, 
pretending, not growing our own food. Yeah. You know, and this kind of has to do with our technology conversation. Yeah. I don't know. I think things are crumbling and we need to get back to the roots of how we feel and how we live and how we be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what this conversation is about. You know, psychology, I was, I've been getting into psychology lately and with like Jung and Freud. You know, psychology and naming things and and creating these concepts and words and it's only a, a little over a hundred years old. Mm. Can you believe that? Freud was just before 1900. You're talking about the practice of psychology. And naming things like you're neurotic or archetypes oh. or schizophrenia or complexes. The ego. Yeah, like pro- ego. Subconscious. Yeah, ego. Like these things were, these things are so young narcissism pun intended like, so young carl young oh yeah <laughs> like prior to that yeah and then i was talking to somebody and they were like oh well prior to that it was more like religion and myths yeah and our behavior was more uh related to through r- different religions and myth and mythologies mm. And now we've gotten to we, now we've gotten to this thing where the mountain has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and now we're like now we can kind of see the whole landscape, yeah, of how we actually want to function, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that that all arose because we were at that stage in the you know late eighteen hundreds. Well, probably, you know, I'm not exactly sure when, but it seems interesting to me that that arose. Psychology, you know, is the study of the soul. Mm. That's what it breaks down to. It's not a. It's not about the mind. Mm, it's the study of the soul. And it's interesting to me because all of these manifestations are manifestations of Western civilization. Mm-hmm these mental issues, chasms, psychological concepts, these pathologies, they're all manifestations of Western culture and Western civilization Mm. because we get put into these boxes. Mm. Literally. Literally. (laughs) We literally get put into these boxes and assume these roles. And if we are... And if we are to be a successful human, you have to have a consistent path of your, quote unquote, psychology. Right. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. you have to fit this thing. You're Gus. Yeah, that's what I was You're a writer. Yeah. So you, when you go around, you're a writer, Gus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you're, if there's something happening inside of you that is incongruent with that, that creates issues, or it could. Now, obviously, you're a guy who's descended into meditation. And I like to say descended because it's really a dissension. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alan Watts talks about this funny thing. Alan Watts is one of my favorites, and I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about him. And and I've gained a lot. I'm reading one of his books right now, Out of Your Mind. And... Uh, he talks about this thing he, and he says, you know, people talk about, 
you you meet someone who you see a guru or a spiritual teacher and they've quote unquote transcended their ego you think to yourself my god how did they do that and he goes <laughs> watts goes what an insane thing to think because there actually is nothing that's an ego it's like to say that you're going to cut a wheel of cheese with a line of longitude. It's like, how does someone transcend an ego? It's something that's not even actually there. There's nothing there. It's a, it's a apparition. It's yeah. this concept that we've created mm-hmm. that literally is only meant to describe a way of relating to the world, a way of how you relate to the world, like we were talking about. It's like a reference point, this mm-hmm. ego. Mm-hmm. Because your ego is just kind of, it's a veil that you put over yourself to go out into the world so that you can interact with people on some level of of Western normalcy. Right. You know, you, you sign, you, we have meetings and we go and meet people for coffee and we go and have, you know, we have interactions and business and you're coming in under this guise of, I do this, you do that, what can we do together? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you wouldn't know what you're doing there. You wouldn't know what you're doing sitting there talking to this person. Why are we here? So, well, I think the realized person understands that. That nothing was there to begin with. Right. And Well, that's what you get to. Right. You have to move through the bullshit. This is a bit, this is, I want to just pause and recognize something here this is a bit of a freaky conversation to have oh yeah (laughs) no i mean it's it's very it's very it's a lot because we live in a world that's very anti this eb yeah so i'm curious well what are your thoughts on because i mean it's well let me get to you have to stay in your lane well wait what do you want to do No, go ahead well, you have to stay in your lane. You have to be in this box. You have to fucking do this or that thing or you get ostracized or in trouble. So, like, see, let's just try and stay in the solution in the hope of it. I'm, I'm saying that for myself out loud. Uh-huh. Do we do this in the hope that we are transcending as a species and we are getting closer to breaking these things down? Because I can get a little freaked out because we live in such a structured thing that my whole my whole life is about letting go, letting go of the structure, letting go of anything concrete because there's nothing concrete. But then you still have to participate it in a certain way. Well, you can. But see, when you let go. But like you, but what I'm saying is, you can't just walk into the grocery store and grab some bananas and walk out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, look. I mean, there are there are rules to the game. It's a game. Yeah, yeah. There's rules to the game. It wouldn't be a fun game if there were no rules. The game wouldn't exist. But this is all a game. And the game is constantly evolving. The game is constantly shifting and changing and evolving. This is all a game. And it depends on what game you want to play. And evolving toward enlightenment. Maybe. Maybe. I 
I, I think for we'll some. See then, but but if we say maybe, then why are we doing this? What are we doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> I think we're doing what every every person throughout history has done, which is doing our best to make sense of the environment we find ourselves in and what is the natural essence where do we find ourselves in the midst of all of that this goes back to this is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old we're just we're in 2020 and there's a lot of weird shit going down in 2020 and a lot of things that, you know, in the past it was very, it was other things. It was other things that drew us away from our humanity, that dragged us into the the pits of despair. And, you know, because it's, what is it about, Gus? What is it about? It's about alleviating suffering. First for ourselves, then for everyone in our lives, then for everyone in the species, the human species. It's about alleviating suffering because we live, we're mired in suffering. We're mired in pain. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And how do we get out of that? Well, we start to let go of this shit that we're grasping onto so desperately. We're so desperately grasping on to, I have to relate to my world from this perspective. And if I don't, then I'm deemed a failure or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not efficient enough. I'm not successful enough. That creates suffering. That creates suffering. When you just being here is a fucking feat in its own. So once you get back to that, so let me talk about my favorite techniques of meditation. Okay? My favorite techniques of meditation, how I came to meditation. You said it perfectly. My life was completely unmanageable. I was on the verge of suicide. Killing myself or someone. Suicidal, homicidal thinking, complete unmanageability to where I felt like I was being strangled by myself. Tightness in my chest and my neck and my throat. Couldn't talk to save my fucking life for fear of saying the wrong thing, for fear that someone might see me for who I was. And that manifested itself into a a massive, I mean, it's a miracle. My wife and I are still married, you know? And so we went to see this therapist and the therapist said, have you ever considered meditating? And I was like, fuck. Yeah, I get, no, I haven't, but I guess I should now. But I I got this brother who (laughs) seems like he's fucking. My brother always says that. So she turned me onto this app and I started meditating through this app and and like you said there's there's a million ways to meditate um so it started for me with doing these guided meditations Mm -hmm. meditating on compassion Mm -hmm. meditating on joy five to 15 minute meditations Mm -hmm. 
beautiful in this app called Stop, Breathe, Think, which I, I recommend to anybody. Mm. It's not very expensive. In fact, I think you could get a lot for free yeah. uh, on it uh, to begin with. Uh-huh. So it started with a lot of guided meditations and even meditation like walking meditations. And you just walk and you listen to the, this thing and it takes you through and it's a lot of visual visualization and um, focusing on your breath and just it's a lot about decluttering. Mm-hmm. Stop being taken away by your thoughts. Stop trying to control what's coming into your mind. That's that that period has long since passed. So it began with that. I'm a big fan of guided meditations. Guided meditations are very powerful. Imagining yourself. So one of my favorite meditations that I started with. Do 10 minutes. Do 10 minutes. Begin with. Find yourself a seat. I I can't really sit cross-legged because I've got so much scar tissue in my ankles, knees, and hips that it just hurts. And I can't. You need to be, like you said, you need to be in a position where you're not going to move. Because only then can you you have the the opportunity to transcend your physical body, Mm -hmm. which happens. Mm -hmm. Very quickly now in my meditations, five to ten minutes in, I feel myself lift out of my body. Where my body... And what, what does that mean? That means I keep my hands on my, on my thighs. Mm. I sit up. I have a straight back. I sit sort of elevated. I'll, I'll put a couple pillows down on a chair so I can sit with my feet flat on the ground and my hips a little bit above my knees. Mm. So that way my back can be straight. I can sit with a straight spine. Mm. And I, I imagine that there's a string pulling the top of my head to pull my spine straight. And you begin to breathe. And I like to, on the first three to five breaths, take a deep breath in. As deep as you can. And then just sigh it all out. Sigh it out. Let it all go. All that tension in your chest and your neck and your shoulders. Just let it go. Just let it go. Do that a couple more times. Breathe deep in through the nose. Fill your body with air. And just let it go with a sigh. Let your tongue hang out. Just let it all loose. Just let it loose. Then you close your eyes and you just begin to hone in on your breath, breathing in and out through your nose. Then you just start to focus in on your breath, going in and out of your nose. And you do that. I think it's I think it's helpful to set a timer. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're not in this mindset of, "Ooh, how long have I been going?" cuz you'll yeah. lose track of time. I think that's what what you're you're talking you're you're in a, a much more advanced meditator than someone might who might be listening to this, you know. No, well, I like the timer too. Well, yeah. I'm just saying once you get a handle on your meditation practice, you can start to do things like just sit. Yeah. And turn your phone off yeah yeah it's helpful to have a timer just when you get going because that gives you this sort of it gives you a little a window yeah of meditating time right where you don't 
you say, I'm not doing shit. I'm going to sit here and meditate. Right. For you sure. know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so think about this. What What is so amazing to me, if you want to cultivate joy, you want to cultivate light, you want to cultivate love and compassion in yourself. So you get into, say you give yourself 10 minutes to meditate. By the end of that 10 minutes of just focusing in on your breath, this is called mindful meditation, mindfulness, where you just practice, you focus in on your breath. And you follow the breath in through the nose and you follow the breath out. And you notice that, that dipping over the waterfall where you come in through the nose. And then that moment right before you transcend to let the air out. You just get in, you tap into that. And you do that for about 10 minutes. And you just follow your breath. And thoughts are going to come in. That's part of this. That's part of the process. That's part of the training. You think that when you're, you think that part of meditating is you can't have thoughts. You can't allow the thoughts in. The thoughts are going to come. So you allow those thoughts to come in and you acknowledge them. You say, oh, there it is. There's a thought. All right. But you know what? I'm going to bring it right. I'm going to bring my attention right back to my breath. And you do that over and over again. Some mornings, man, I swear to God, that's just a constant stream of thoughts. And I'm constantly like every 10 seconds just bringing my attention back to my breath. And that's part of the practice. It's like when you go into the gym and you're lifting weights. Those are reps. You're cultivating focus and concentration. Yeah. That's part of this this work. Yeah, absolutely. And you begin, <laughs> you, can, you keep doing it. Yeah. And you just keep doing it. Keep bringing your focus back to your breath. Acknowledge the thoughts. Touch them. Watch them disappear. Come back to your breath. Yeah. And you just keep doing that. And by the end, say you do 10 minutes. At the end of that 10 minutes, imagine you holding your child self in your arms. Mm. The most innocent version of yourself, a baby. Imagine seeing yourself as a baby in your own arms and just holding that and feel that love. Feel that love and that light and that compassion you have for yourself. And just let that fill your fucking heart. Let it fill your whole being. I love that. And then you might think about a family member or someone who just brings to mind just pure love and light and joy in your life. Imagine them and just feel them and just feel that and let that and just breathe in that. Breathe in that feeling. So that's one way. Now I've been getting into some deeper shit myself. You know, Alan Watts has this whole thing going back to Alan. He, he's, you know... He is very much about this whole thing is happening. You are part of the happening. We're part of the happening. And just as, you know, you can't see your own head, right? right. But it's there. Yeah. Or you assume it's there, you know? <laughs> but so check this out, dude. Think about when you were a baby. Uh-huh. Before you started to... Think about, you know nothing. Uh-huh. You know nothing. You're just pure consciousness like we talked about. Right. And so you don't, at that stage in your life, and this is part of the coming into consciousness right. as you get older. I mean, my earliest memory is probably when I was around two. But 
as a baby in your pure consciousness, you have not yet realized that you are separate from the world or you have not come into this conditioning yet that you're separate. So the breeze on your skin, the tree outside your window, it's all you. It's all part of you. And that's the same way you should approach what your thoughts are. Your thoughts, it's, it's like your thoughts coming into your mind are no different than a wave rolling in on the ocean mm-hmm. or the breeze rolling through your backyard. It's all this one happening. Your thoughts are just as much part of the environment as anything else. So now I've done this, I've gotten into this meditation where I just sit and I just listen. Yeah, it's great. You just listen. Like you just, and I imagine this because this can be a little more difficult. This can be a little bit more abstract to get into, but. Alan Watts, he, he describes it as the fastest way into meditation. And I think he's right uh-huh. because you immediately let go of trying to do anything. Yeah. And that's part of the mistake we make. Right. You know, and even in this thing, he jokes about it. You know, he has such a good sense of humor. He says, you know, we want we're tr- we're all like when you, you get into your spiritual life and you start to try to be spiritual and you try to do things and you try to make this process happen of meditation and clearing it out and it's like well it's all just happening yeah you know and so if you sit sit down find a comfortable spot get to get i mean i i would i'm very envious of people who can sit cross-legged and met and meditate that way because i feel like that's that's a more proper stance but i mean i get it all i get everything out of it that i need through just sitting i sit in a chair for sure um but so listening listening practice so i like to imagine like i put on my invisible headphones Uh and you pretend that you're just listening to music you're listening to the the environment around you right and you just allow whatever it is to come in and you just focus on that and it brings you right into your third eye Mm. you come right into your fucking third eye dude Mm. because all of a sudden when you stop trying to name and identify all the sounds coming into your head you start to realize that there's just all this shit this this is all just it's like a symphony that you're listening to, your environment, your thoughts, your breath. It's all just one thing. It's one song happening. Mm. And that gets you into a state of meditation. I love it. Those are my favorite practices right now. Um, There's also one active meditation that I always recommend is, is the ancient yogic method of the 478 method. So... And I've talked about this on on the last meditation um, podcast I did. You could go back if you want to listen to that one. The 478 method, breathe in through the nose for a count of four. And you can do this. I do this while driving around L.A. Breathe in through your nose for a count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold it for a count of seven, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. And then breathe out through your mouth to a count of eight, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight. And when you're blowing out, it's like blowing out uh, through a straw. So you're very controlled. And it'll be, it'll be difficult at first, and you'll find this balance of how the air flows. And you just repeat that process over and over again. Do five to ten minutes. Man, it fucking, it's magical. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Andrew Weil talks about how... Yeah, I was going to bring him up. It's the greatest antidepressant. Smokes yeah. prescription antidepressants. Yeah. It, it makes them look like a joke. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, a fucking joke compared yeah. to what you could do with your own breath. Zero side effects other than positivity, too. It's amazing. What was the first one you said? Listening, and then what was the first one? Mindfulness. Just following the breath. Just tapping into your breath. And a trick with that, if it's difficult, a great trick to add in with with following your breath, every breath you count, and you count to 10. So in through the nose is one. Out through the nose is two. In through the nose is three. Out through the nose, four. And you do that, you count up to ten. Then you start it over. Mm -hmm. In, one, out, two. In, three, out, four. In, five, out, six. In, Mm -hmm. seven, out, eight. Count to ten. Just do that over and over, and that gets you into this cycle. And I've... Another guy who's incredible, Robert Anton Wilson. Yeah. Another mystic, another Mm -hmm. fantastic writer, thinker, philosopher. He talks about ancient yogic practices. Mm -hmm. And one of the mantras he said, it's like there are all of these very uh, savvy tricks to clearing your mind. Mm. Because it's about disrupting the train of thought. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly living on this train of thought. And so how do you derail the train and start to clear it out? Because that's what this is all about, man, right? Meditation, you're decluttering your mind. You're Mm -hmm. clearing out the cobwebs. You're bringing order to chaos. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've loved that he does, uh, one of these ancient yogic techniques is... You do this, it's like windshield wipers in your mind, and you go, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi. And you keep doing that, Somadi Shawadi, Somadi Shawadi. And your mind automatically, it starts to clear it out. It's like windshield wipers, just cleaning the mind. Nice. And it, these are just tricks. These yeah. are tricks to get yourself into meditation. Where was that one? Where did you hear that from? I read that, uh, or actually, no, I listened to one of his talks, and he talks about that. Where was the talk? Um, it he, was on YouTube. He's on Psychedelic Salon a bit. Yeah, Robert Anton Wilson is amazing. And then, to, uh, and then, so, meditation. Many ways to do it. Mm-hmm. We've already been going an hour and 15. I feel like we just started. Yeah, I had this thing recently where I was trying, you know, trying to banish thoughts in the meditation. And I was like, what if I just invited in all every single thought? Yeah. And that was funny because when I did that, none of the thoughts mattered. Yeah. That was a funny well, practice. What I find is really fascinating, dude. I'm fascinated by mysticism. 
by psychics. I've started reading this dude, Edgar Casey. Yeah. Who's one of the first, he was kind of, I guess he's the first American psychic or at least the mm. first document, the first guy to document his work as a psychic. He did all of these psychic readings. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently in this book I'm reading that is all his psychic, uh, he does these, he would hypnotize himself uh-huh. and he would go into these trances and uh-huh. he would channel. And he channeled all of this information about Atlantis. But apparently he was sort of the first one to articulate in America the ideas of meditation, the aura, psychic energy, uh, all these different concepts. Mm. And so I'm fascinated by that. Like I thought back to when we were little watching that movie about Harry Houdini. Remember? Oh, yeah. Tony Lee Curtis. Yeah. Incredible. Such a classic. Like one of my heroes, yeah. Houdini. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, um, you know, so I'm fascinated by that. And in that, how that relates to this is what happens when you do exactly what you said, Gus, and you stop putting labels and identification markers on your thoughts. Mm. What happens Something that seems so fucking out of left field and foreign and completely incongruent to who you are. Maybe there's a a deep fucking meaning in that thought that comes into your mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an experience from a past life. Maybe that's an experience from the future. Maybe that's some sort of deep intuitive insight that's Mm -hmm. coming into your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. So rather than banishing it, what if you just allow it to be there? Yeah. And it's just part of the flow of your, because your physical body is an antenna to the universe. Mm -hmm. You are, your consciousness, this is all consciousness. Life, the universe began as a thought, as a vibration. I guess as a sound was first. Mm. If you're talking about whatever tangible thing created life in the universe Mm. it's all vibration and frequency and thought and consciousness you are literally an amalgamation of the universe inside this physical body and your physical body your spine your spinal cord your brain it's your heart your solar plexus it's an antenna to receive information from the universe from the cosmos that you are one with Mm -hmm. you're not separate from this thing Yeah, well, that's like the dual and non-dual approach. I was listening to this meditation teacher on Psychedelic Salon. Yeah. Which is another amazing podcast. Yeah, Psychedelic Salon is amazing, dude. Hello to Lorenzo. He's an incredible gift. He's the man. Any of the talks on Psychedelic Salon you could choose from, and he, he does an incredible job, but he had a meditation teacher on there. And the guy was, uh, I don't know really who practices uh, duality, which means you're separate. But this guy practiced non-dual, which means yeah. it's all one. Non-duality, yeah. And, you know, he was he was talking about that. It's all part of it. And all then, the uglinesses and all the beauties and the thoughts. And, you know, it's not about banishing things. It's about being acquainted with it. And then you can move forward. You know, like he was saying, like he's been, 
teaching meditation for decades and you know been to all these places and he's like i still go into the grocery store with my wife and get anxiety like that that'll that could still happen to me totally like and it's like i i can't sit here and pretend that i don't have feelings right well that's another miss that's a misnomer with meditation and spirituality in general yeah as you think that once you become enlightened or once you start meditating all these things are just going to go away but what's interesting is you can't a you can't have the light without the darkness you can't yin and yang yin and yang yeah ebb and flow (laughs) (laughs) you know the particle and the wave you can't have joy without the sorrow you can't have peace without panic. You know, I have this weird. Sorry, go ahead. No, but it that's see. So then once you stop, see, that's what that's the trip I'm on. Uh-huh. That's the trip that I'm on. Stop. What if you stop saying, why am I having an anxiety attack? And just go, wow, I'm having a fucking anxiety attack. Or I'm having these feelings. I'm having heavy fucking feelings. Yeah. Whoa. I feel like shit today. Wow. Yeah. The problem is when you start to label it and put limitations around it. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, well, I'm having an anxiety attack. That's really not good. That's not good. It's unacceptable. I can't allow this. because that inhibits you from carrying on from progressing from even learning a lesson about it Mm -hmm. dude i have this whole thing with my heart i have massive anxiety about my heart Mm -hmm. and i have this anxiety around um being like overcome with pain Mm -hmm. (laughs) seriously and and i've had this realization dude i because i have these weird I have these incredible thoughts of death. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. And then I go, this is from, this is from beyond. This is from beyond my understanding of this life. This is from way beyond, way before I came into this life. This has to do with things that happened pre-Ebon. Yeah, no, I can I can relate. Taking a spear in the chest. Yeah, I have heart things. Too. You know, doing you know being blown up in a war. Right. Yeah, I have you a know. heart. I have a heart centered concern too, if you will. You know, and um, rather than banishing it. And rather than saying, oh my God, this is completely unacceptable. This is unacceptable for me to feel this. I go, no. This is just, this is another aspect of me. This is a part of the grand picture. This divine experience of being Eben. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also... You know, whether you want to call it the shadow or not, Jung had the the thing of the shadow. And I was just reading a quote 
yesterday about how the shadow and this is where talking is so important and like it's called talk therapy for a reason I've just thought of that. You don't sit in a room and play chess and then solve the problems. You right. talk about it. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think some people may not, but there's a reason we talk about things. Like even if, yeah, I just think it's important to talk things out. And Young was saying, you know, if you don't acknowledge the shadow and bring it out, it ends up bursting forth. Yes. Yes. So it's important to do what you're saying in recognizing that it's there, not turning in, not turning it into this asphyxiating thing and allowing it to be part of your yin and yang. Yeah. And living from that and growing from that. I think there's a, you know, like I'm in a space now where I have these fears that I'm working through. And I think it's good to be. You're not abusing yourself with trying to get better either. Like you allow the space and time to observe the fears and see where they're coming from and what's going on. And. Make it a voluntary uh, relationship where you're willingly engaging with your growth and your movement toward health. And I think the flip side of that is saying, fuck it. A, maybe none of this is real or B, why aren't I just better already? So I think there's a growth period. Um. Yeah, and I don't mean to use. There's that. a lot of growth periods. Yeah, I don't mean to use that as a cop out, but see, I feel like me even saying that it could be a cop out is just unfair to begin with. Well, just that idea. See, because what is getting better? What's getting better is getting better when you don't feel the shit anymore, because that day never comes. You know, as much therapy and meditation. And work on myself and psychedelic journeys and all this shit that I've done. It's all still here, man. The darkness, the fear, the anxiety, the, you know, the, the savagery, the, you know, deep sexual, uh, you know, energy these things that I'm afraid of in myself, it's all still there. It's just my relationship has changed. Well, see, I suppose, I mean, we are different people, so this is, I guess, obvious, but we are in different different paths in a way. And my thing now is reorienting myself to reality and being available for reality. I was looking at this bumper sticker. It said reality. What a concept, you know, and see, I'm also on this trip of moving away from drugs and alcohol. So my reality is reorienting to a different kind of medicine and a different kind of relationship. So 
Yeah. I'm just in, you know, I'm in whatever phase I'm in. And, um, well, that's a really interesting concept. The idea of reality. What is reality? Because when we, I've been thinking about this too. I posted about it the other day, but we see life through a very, very specific lens of perspective that is shrouded in conditioning, certain beliefs, it's shrouded in limitations, it's shrouded in identifications, it's shrouded in labels, and so you miss a lot of reality. You miss the truth of reality. Even what you're looking at, you miss it because you're looking through this lens of perspective. And when you start to meditate, and you start to clear out right. and you start to come to terms and change your relationship with yourself right. and you start to change your relationship with the beliefs that you've had. Yeah. You start to see reality yes. differently. Well, that's a, just a perfect full circle Yeah, of meditation creates a new, more honest reality that's grounded in integrity of spirit that's not cluttered and not clouded. Exactly. Exactly right. That's why this is so important, you know, yeah. because look at what's happening, you know, look at what's happening in the world around us. You know, we, we've gotten so attached to our beliefs and our ideologies and our thinking, our thoughts. We're so attached to it that people can't have a conversation without reacting, reacting on a hair trigger. Like literally we can't have a conversation about who, who should be president or what we should make you know, how we should be deciding on political policies and how we should approach our health and well-being because we're so attached to these beliefs and these thought patterns that really have nothing to do with reality. They yeah. have to do with conditioning. Yeah. And they have to do with being attached to thinking all of your thoughts are you and that's that's your reality. Right. But what happens if you let go of all of that and you're able to just stand with your feet on the ground, receive information, and just take it objectively, take it as for what it is, as if you're looking at a tree or as if you're walking down the beach and you're seeing various seashells. Do you ever look down and walk on the beach? And the beach is just littered with, with seashells and rocks and all these beautiful different um, manifestations of, you know, life and nature. You're not like picking them out and saying, eh, this one looks like shit. Throw that away. Eh, that seashell, those lines are all out of fucking whack and crooked and shitty. Look at that. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. everyone is vibrant and beautiful and different in its own very unique way. Mm -hmm. What if you looked at people and heard people's thoughts in the same way? Yeah. 
man, dude, what? And your thoughts in the same way. That's fucking revolutionary. Yeah. And you were able, exactly, you were able to see your thoughts. Oh, that's really interesting that, that I thought that. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, that to me, that's why this is such an important conversation. That's why meditation, I'm going to keep hammering this, man. Meditation. Yeah. Coming back to it. Psychedelics are great, too. I don't really want to get into that in this episode. That's kind of its own episode. Psychedelics are a tool. That's like your that's like your workout supplements. If you need to, if if you're interested in having an experience of what it feels like to completely detach yourself from your ego and from your lens of perspective and shift that perspective, psychedelics are a way to do that. But it still takes work and it still takes practice. Yeah. So, I think that was good, man. Yeah. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. What's your, uh, what do you want to say before we roll out? <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, we just, um, hopefully this is information to start up a meditation practice. Why yeah. not? What do you have to lose? There's nothing to lose. There's only something to gain. But also be patient and g- and gentle with yourself, you know? Yeah. It's it's even enough to start considering a meditation practice. Mm. Just start considering that. Yeah. Back to the sifting through the sand to find the jewel at the bottom of the sand. I mean, just, just, you know, keep it as an option. And it could be something really illuminating. I love and that. I think it's something that all of us could benefit from no doubt all right y'all i hope you guys got a lot out of that that was that was a um that was a stroll through getting to meditation and hopefully you guys picked up some tips and some pointers for how to begin your meditation practice or where to begin it's a lot simpler than you think. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate this shit. You don't even need you don't need to go find a teacher. You don't need to go find an app. You don't need to spend a cent. Right where you are right now listening to this podcast, when this thing ends, you could just set a timer and go. Just start listening to your breath. Listen to the wor- the world around you. Just get quiet. Let the thoughts come. They're going to come. They'll never stop coming. Your brain is wired to keep thinking. They'll never stop coming. Let them come. Just come back to the breath over and over again. Come back to the sounds coming into your ears, vibrating on your eardrums, making those sounds that come into your brain that you then identify. Let go of the identification of it. Let go of the labels. And we'll see you on the other side. That's it. That's it, y'all. And we love you. Yep. Lots of love to you guys. Stay strong. Again, I'll say it again, man. The world needs you. I'm I'm building a fucking army of leaders and light warriors. That's what we need right now. The world needs it. The world needs you. I need you. So lots of love to you. Stay in the light. Stay positive. Keep meditating. And the world will turn, baby. We'll keep breathing together. We'll make it through together. Lots of love to you guys. 
Until next time, I'm Evan Britton, and this is the Ebb and Flow Podcast. We're out of here. Peace.